Thanks for dropping into the Airdrop Show. My name is Caleb. On the internet, I go by Phosphorus. The Airdrop Show is a show for NFT enthusiasts, artists, and creators alike who are looking to find the next big thing and want to get behind the scenes and what's happening in NFTs. Today, we're talking about memetics and pepes. This recording is a Twitter space that we did at the Airdrop Show. In this space, we rallied together a bunch of Pepe fanatics to talk about why they love Pepes so much. In this show, we talk about the history and where rare Pepes come from, how Pepe predates Bitcoin, and what happens after an image or character or meme is co-opted by white supremacist groups or people that you don't agree with, right? Because that's the big scare right now for all the projects is they're turning their images and their project into CC0 projects. And lastly, we talk about the rare A Pepe's and how some of the biggest artists of our time are currently drawing frogs. If you've spent any time on the internet in the last decade, you 100% know who Pepe is. It's the green frog used in pretty much all of the memes. My biggest takeaway from this chat is that if you're a growing artist, one of the ways to get seen fast is to make art that already has a cult-like following. Jake Freed, who we have on the show, just made a Pepe in his style, and it sold right away, and exposed him to a whole new audience. So if something is popping, it's a sign for you to get in on the action and participate in the culture. So before we drop in, I just want to put the reminder out there to subscribe to the Airdrop Show wherever you listen to podcasts, and please follow us on Twitter at Airdrop Show. Alrighty, let's drop in. Thank you for dropping in to the Airdrop Show. This is Phosphorus, and today I have a really awesome conversation about memetics. I know one person when it comes to memes who is the best, the doctor himself, Dr. Sus. And so when I was looking and researching who should I talk to about all of this, he was the first person that came to mind. And he said, we need to talk about Pepe's. So doctor, I know you're here. I just want to say welcome to everybody in the crowd. Thank you very much. Make sure you go follow each other, follow the things. We want to talk about memetics today. We want to talk about all of the amazing things that is memetics and how they work and how we use them for the internet. Doctor, doctor, paging Dr. Sus, are you here? Shalom, everybody. This is uh, Dr. Sus. Um, this is my first spaces. I'm so sorry about this. Let's get uh, Nardo and let's get uh, JB up here if he is. Let's get uh, Carlson. We need him up here. Okay. All right. Let's do some of this. We'll just start inviting people to speak. So for those who don't know me, I'm the medical director of Good Morning Regional Hospital, where we focus on many different conditions such as cystitis, charitidylitis, NGMI 69, very holistic treatment for everything we do, all about the memes and uh, all about the culture. So I'm very excited to speak to a number of these chads in the community and learn more about the history. So it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. We want to talk history. I want to talk memetics. I want to talk about what's currently happening with the Pepe's because there is currently, I think, a cultural revolution that's happening as we were talking about it. And I think, doctor, I just want to quote you here. This is something I heard you say is that the state has weaponized violence, but we have the decentralization of dope memes. And that means no matter what's going to happen, the memes will always survive and and move forward. I think that's true. As I've been on the internet since I was a wee child till now, I can see how memes have changed and grown and been used for different things, but they don't go away. I just want to invite our Pepe's up. If you could just give yourself a quick introduction, just let's go around the table and uh, say what's up. Hey, hey. How's it going, everybody? So my name is Pepinardo. also go by Nardo for short. 
I'm a fake rare artist, started back in October, so just about, what, nine, ten months ago, been making fake rare Pepe's, um, and it's been such a freaking wild ride. It's such a pleasure to be up here, especially sharing the stage with some of my fellow fake rare Pepe artists and Dr. Sus. so thank you so much for inviting us all. I'm just thrilled to have everyone here. I'm ready to be intellectually stimulated from this conversation. This is actually something I don't know a lot about. So uh, let's go next. I got Carson. Carsonated. Hey, thank you very much. Like Pepinardo there, I'm a fake rares creator, a rare Pepe collector. I've been playing with collecting memes on the blockchain since 2017. I'm a big fan of the canvas that Pepe gives us to tell any story at any time that will engage pretty much any person. It's a universal language, and I'm honored to be up here with all of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. All right, who's next? I got Goldmaster Yang. You're next on my list. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, Pepe. What's going on? Everybody having a good time? We out here? Good to see all you guys again. Stayed up freaking pretty late last night, so I'm going to be trying to suck up what energy I can. I need a second cup of coffee. It's good to be here again, hanging out with my fellow A Pepe's, you know, come from the fake rare, rare Pepe community, and here to uh, just kind of give my own perspective on where I see a lot of things kind of going in the space and what I think that, you know, Pepe's mean for Bitcoin and NFTs and blockchains and so forth. I'm an OG Bitcoiner. I want to say, or relatively OG. It's like, you know, found out about Bitcoin in 2013. Um, Started a few businesses in the Bitcoin space. It's something that I live, breathe, eat, sleep. And I've also, you know, created a fake rare. It's called Pepegachi Series 4. And uh, it's a tribute to the Avagachi play and earned game, uh, which I think that the play and earned space is huge for blockchains and, you know, kind of the future of NFTs also. So like, you know, I'm into kind of like some of the blockchain gaming stuff going on and uh, just happy to lend whatever perspective I can. Um, There's some really smart, talented people in here, Carson, Leonardo, uh, CEO Tim, a bunch of other people. I could go on and on, but um, you know, I see some familiar faces, some new faces. Uh, Rare Pepe's, I think, is uh, going to be an amazing project to kind of take Pepe accessibility to the next level. And I'm really super excited to be participating in this project with all of you guys. So, yeah. All right. First, I think I want to start with Dr. Sus. If you could just talk about the power of memetics. And what is a meme and how is it like a virus that gets transported from people's brain to people's brain to people's brain? I think you got some good words here. Um, so, so the meme is a, it's this existential question and the answer to just about everything, I believe. Um, and especially with this Pepe space uh, and the fakeness, the realness, all of it, it I believe is uh, the people's propaganda, if you will. Um, we get propagandized from all facets of life, all facets of culture, media, uh, Hollywood, all of it, even the food. So, you know, this is this is the people's propaganda to, you know, push uh, what we love, what we believe. And you, you cannot ever stop this. It's on the blockchain for eternity. And, um, you know, it's very special because you get so many different perspectives from around the world, around the cultures. Uh, it, so it, it's... To me, it's one of the most beautiful expressions that humanity has ever had. 
uh, information has never flown so quickly and so freely, and so many different uh, values can be expressed through these different Pepe's. Like if you go onto the directory, there's literally a Pepe for everything, and you just good luck stopping it. You cannot stop this. It's so powerful and so beautiful. I was looking at this community from the periphery for about a year or so, and you know, a little nervous, a little trepidatious, if you will, because. It's just so vibrant. The smartest minds, the smartest artists are here working together. And I was intimidated by this, to be honest with you. But um, I met JB. I met Skrilla. I was hung over as absolute fuck because, you know, New York was just a beast. But I met these guys and I'm like, oh my God, they're just, they're just chads. It was so inspiring. And I said, you know what? What do I have to lose? I'm, I'm jumping in. And, and, and here we are today with uh, just the best of the best. And uh, I, I couldn't be more grateful and more humbled to be up here with these guys. I hope this answers this. And beautifully, beautifully, Dr. Suss. I think what you said, yeah, a meme is something that it almost spreads uncontrollably. And it's something we can all recognize. Goldmaster Yang, you said something very interesting that you wanted to talk about what Pepe means for Bitcoin. But I think Pepe pre dates bitcoin is that right yeah it does it um it started originally with matt fury 2004 i believe and i'm guys i'm going off of like you know the the documentary i saw so you know from what i can remember of the feels good man emmy award-winning documentary it started with a comic strip and that was related to matt fury's kind of like childhood friends and it's like the strip that pepe the frog is like you know pulling his pants all the way down to go pee like <laughs> uh, you know which is kind of pretty funny because I remember that happening like maybe once or twice when I was in elementary school. You know, it's just kind of like we're all, you know, young kind of kids just kind of learning how to use a stalls instead of toilets. But either way, yeah, like it predates the actual like comic and Pepe origin is 2004. And then 4chan, from my understanding, picked it up and kind of like ran with it, like with certain memes and iterated and Kind of like how the internet does, you know, when something kind of like, you know, is funny, like people just like build on top of it in layers. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, people put their own spin and it just like kind of really just went viral and mimetic and on 4chan. And then along the way, like I think Matt Fury kind of lost control of like where Pepe was heading um, and, you know, kind of went alt right uh, at one point, kind of what like Pepe was used to kind of like represent like whatever alt-right kind of racism and white supremacy or whatever like type of memetic images and then it was also co-opted once again thereafter for like the hong kong like protests right you know, pepe is so universal it was used by all walks of life all different communities both good and bad right and left and what happened in 2016 was interesting because some anonymous guy named mike took the pepe the frog meme and basically recreated like the Dorian Nakamoto face. And for those of you not familiar with Dorian Nakamoto, he was this kind of like just average Joe Schmo with the name Satoshi Nakamoto um, or Dorian Nakamoto. And um, he was kind of like accused of being Satoshi by I think a Newsweek, like just a really like bad reporter who like was like, oh, this is Satoshi Nakamoto. And it kind of went viral. And it's just an average guy that really isn't Satoshi Nakamoto. But he took his face, made it into like a green face, like a Pepe. And he took that image and attached it to a counterparty token. For those of you who are not familiar with counterparty, it's a protocol on top of Bitcoin that allows you to put data into Bitcoin blocks. And it was kind of originally starting out as like a stock exchange or a decentralized stock exchange where you could create assets 
and you can issue assets, like create a certain amount of those assets. And all he did was make a token that said rare Pepe. And he attached the JPEG to that token and made 300 of them. And because it was tied to only 300, he called it a rare Pepe. So it went from being just a Pepe to now it's on a blockchain and there's only 300. And now it's rare because there's only 300 and it's scarce. That was the joke is that it's now no longer just a Pepe. It's a rare Pepe. And that's kind of what kicked off the rare Pepe project. So Pepe predated Bitcoin, but then Bitcoin took rare Pepes and elevated it, I think, to uh, with this element of scarcity. That's like a little bit of a background um, for those of you who are not familiar with the story and how things led up to this and, you know, where this is all heading. Uh, you know, that's we can get into that if you want, but I just want to give that prelude since you brought it up. No, that's really good. That's what I'm looking for. So what you're saying is like Pepe was like the first NFT, right? And so, you know, what's funny. Like if there's going to be like some NFT archaeologists in this, in this Twitter spaces. So I don't want to get too much into that <laughs> debate uh, because like that's infinitely debatable um, uh, because now they're, you know, there's name coin NFTs and so forth that they claim predate a bunch of things. But there's a good article on this by Art Gnome. Um, that's um, Art Gnome is like a, I, I guess you can call him a, a, a NFT crypto art historian. And a very well-respected guy in the space. And he made this great article that discusses how rare Pepes are the beginning of crypto art. And what I mean by that is that there are NFTs prior to rare Pepes, like Spells of Genesis, for instance, which is a project that I first discovered in 2015. And I bought the Satoshi card in a crowd sale. But the difference was that in the Spells of Genesis project, the artwork did not come from the community. The artwork came from the company. So the company Ever Dreamsoft, who made the project Spells of Genesis, had a hired artist to create the artwork. And the community could not participate in the minting or the creation of the artwork. Now, that was annoying to some people. And some, some community members were like, dude, I want to make a Spells of Genesis card. Can I participate? And they were basically like, no. And that's kind of like the organic like prelude that led to the Rare Pepe project was that like, oh, okay, fine. We're going to create our own card series like Spells of Genesis, but we're going to make them Pepe's and anybody in the community or any artist that wants to participate can make a rare Pepe and it will be loosely curated by a kind of official governing curation board called the Rare Pepe Scientists to allow rare Pepe's in. And they had just a few standards. And um, that's the difference is that crypto art was coming from the community of artists. And that's why it's essentially the first example of crypto art. When we say crypto art, it's not the first NFT, but it's the first example of crypto art coming from a community. And I think that's the main difference. Anybody feel free to correct me on that. Okay, so Pepe really kind of plays into this conversation that everyone's currently having with CCO, how like some projects are scared that if they let this happen and they let the community run with these projects, that the major fear obviously is that their images are going to be become icons for white supremacists and alt-right movements. And that's what happened with Pepe. But that doesn't mean that has to stay there. The community can come back and reclaim it as it wants. And I think it's a really good sign for a lot of these projects that are going CCO. Pepe kind of dispels these fears that sure, somebody may dip into the dark side, but it doesn't mean that that has to be that forever the community can come back and claim it and i think that's huge yeah i think that like racism it just like kind of gets introduced into like successful projects and you know what i mean by that is that like look you know pepe was like when it first started it wasn't like racist like matt fury just making comics of a frog but then 
the all right movement kind of adopted it and made memes of, you know, like Hitler or whatever, like, you know, like anti-Semitic kind of memes with respect to it. Um, and, but then it was adopted by the Hong Kong protests and so forth. But we just saw with Board Ape Yacht Club, they, they went through their like successful kind of like phase of, of like, oh, you know, Board Ape Yacht Club has like, you know, anti-Semitic symbols of Nazi propaganda inserted throughout the series. And there was some guy, I think it was like Rough Rider in, in, drew up massive Twitter threads about like what all these symbols were and so forth. And I mean, I, first off the guys are in Miami. I'm actually familiar with the creators of board ABI club. Like my wife knows them. Like I have friends that are friends with them and these are, these are guys from like Venezuela and so forth. One of them is Jewish. I went to his bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, so like, you know, like I think when any project like hits a certain point, like there's going to be like some sour people that are like trying to either capitalize by using racism to like get you to buy another project or, for instance, that are sour about the project's success, like we just saw recently with that NFT morning host, All Nick, or whatever. He's, like, saying that, like, oh, you know, uh, Rare Apepes look like, um, basically, Borde Biak Club, like, um, anti-black, uh, uh, you know, drawings or whatever. And trying to say that R-A-Y-C stands for racism and whatever. Just trying to, you know, I mean, I've heard this guy talk. I've listened to that Twitter spaces before. And, I mean... I know the guy's not been around forever. Um, he's one of the post-17 kind of NFT influencers. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I take it with a grain of salt. I think racism is just so overused now. I can't believe we're talking about racism on, like, metaverse stuff now. It's like all of us are frogs and, like, different aliens and shit like that. So it's like, how the fuck is anything racist, <laughs> like, in the metaverse these days? It's kind of, like, hilarious. I guess some people, like, find a way to use racism as an arbitrage or an opportunity to create value for whatever it is that they're trying to show typically is how what i see or trying to downplay something basically saying as having racist over overtones or undertones and and you know i just find it kind of ridiculous but hey it is what it is yeah what i what i wanted to say is as we start out talking about memes we're seeing memes now currently as what they are but memes have always been with us and they will always be with us yeah. because they're they're bigger than a picture they're an idea and if you think back to maybe some of our parents most likely most of our grandparents when they were in the office and they didn't have the internet they were cutting out comics from the newspaper and they were putting post-it notes over things and whiting things out and changing the phrases and photocopying them and passing them around the office and before that you know you had it's a picture of a guy looking over a brick wall and it's his nose. And it was prevalent during the World War II period. So, I mean, you can even go back much farther than that. But just in our recent past, we've all been passing memes around and people have been personalizing them to say something that they're saying by using them as a canvas. So uh, to touch on what Yang was saying, sadly, yes, some people will use the canvas and put things that others don't agree with on there. But at the end of the day, that's not speaking for the art or the artist. That's speaking for an individual person's perception of how they can use the canvas uh, potentially in a negative way. But most importantly is the fact that we have a canvas and we can pass ideas to one another. And we don't have to have six sequels of a movie to get to the point where we understand the character because the character has been fleshed out 
and now we know that character. So now we can just get down to business with these quick, viral, infective ideas and thoughts and pass them around quickly. And ones that stick will stick. And ones that people don't vibe with will just fall to the wayside. They're not permanent. The only permanency is the effectiveness of its infectious capability. Mm, I love that. I was just going to talk about the canvas that Pepe gave us. And I still want to get back to you. Gina, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for letting me come up. So I just wanted to touch on something really quickly. One, I love the the knowledge that's being dropped about rare Pepe's memes and history. And I appreciate that so much. And I just want to touch on this for a second because I woke up to the whole Nick thing and I didn't hear the show, but I woke up to all the comments and people talking about it. And I just had to say something because it frustrated the hell out of me. Like, I would love to have a conversation in this space and in other spaces about how collections are, you know, doing things that negatively affect people of color or anyone and have an educated, honest and open discussion about those things or projects like the Jews, the Americans, like all those other subsets that like actually do negative things to other communities. There was a project that was called Meta Slaves where you could actually buy pictures of black people. No one talks about that. No one. But the fact that he tried to insinuate that Rare Pepe is racist because the the pictures somewhat look like black people is insane to me. I, I'm half black and half Irish. And for someone to say that a monkey and a, a frog look like black people is insanely insulting. Like that's something in your mind that you're putting on these pictures that I love and I appreciate. And I see different forms in all of them. And I see myself as in like, a different representation of me and my spirit as a person and freedom, not in any conforming way to my physical appearance. And that is wrong. And that's what we should be talking about. People should openly have discussions about real things that matter to real people instead of just projecting shit. A hundred percent. And I think when people are, are, I don't know, they're, they're looking at popular projects and they're calling something out. I don't want to say this, but they're doing it for attention and they're diverting attention away from where it actually needs to go when you're talking about something like this. Something that is so prevalent as hate speech, right? In, in I guess, our own human condition around the world. It's all over the place. It's not just for one specific group of people. Um, and, and we do need to be, as a community, calling out the bad actors as bad actors and not doing things for attention because that's trying to engagement form. I think that's a, a little ridiculous. Thank you, Gina. That was really good. I just wanted to really comment real quick on, well, first, Gina, thank you so much for sharing that. I, the thing that really stuck out to me, what you said, these Pepe's are, we're associating ourselves with them too. And I think that's such a fascinating thing when talking about memetics and symbolism and just specifically Pepe and how it's transcended all sort of facets of the internet you know it's literally a reflection of who we are as people as a society as as groups online and obviously with that there's going to be all sort of subsects of of pepe memes of of who's making what imagery right now i think we are in this sort of pepe renaissance with the revitalization of the rare Pepe's through the fake rares. And now we're seeing these sort of projects like the A Pepe's popping up to sort of, you know, continue this conversation and allow these sort of education 
platforms to be able to be had about Pepe and just its importance. You know, there's so much we can get into with Pepe and the metaphysics of Pepe too. When Dr. Sos presented us with this spaces, I kind of had a laugh because the title of it is like the largest thing to unpack in terms of internet symbolism, NFTs, everything. Like this conversation can go on for an entire semester-long college course. And and I guarantee there will be semester-long college courses on the significance of Pepe as a, as a symbol of the internet and just as a mimetic image. But um, I'm going to pass it back to CEO Tim. And I just wanted to also say I literally have no idea who NFT Nick and Ripper Riffs is. So, you know, we can we don't even have to worry ourselves with that. Pepinardo nicely said, I appreciate that. And once again, I love the the wealth of your knowledge because I think everybody speaking so far, you know, Goldmaster Yang, Carcinated, really gives the context to even prolific collecting. And I think, you know, that's another narrative or conversation that has to happen because you know, cryptocurrency to me is like the great equalizer. And I think memes are in a very similar vein, the great equalizer, right? So I look at, you know, what's happening now, even with um, Nine Gag, and they're seen as like the, the largest meme platform to exist on the internet right now. And they have a project coming out called Meme Land. So, you know, when I look back at, you know, Pepe's, Rare Pepe's, Rare a Pepe, I want to ask a question actually to even yourself, Goldmaster Yang. So you being in Bitcoin from 2013, what kind of turned you into a collector at that time and understanding like the power of mimetic theory when it came to cryptocurrency, blockchain, and crypto art? Like, can you explain that to us a little bit? Sure. How did I know, you know, that NFTs would be a big thing or whatnot? I, I really just didn't, you know, I, my first NFT was the 2015 spells of Genesis crowd sale, bought the Satoshi card. Um, I think I paid like, I don't know, three, four Bitcoin or something like that to Bitcoin in the crowd sale back when Bitcoin was worth like, I don't know, like uh, 150 bucks. And, um, I got this cool card and what, what was cool to me was like, Oh damn, they're putting the whole kind of sell for ever Dreamsoft was like, yo, we put the first tokenized card game on a blockchain and i was like oh that's pretty dope and like yo the art is pretty cool like when i collected pokemon cards when i was a little kid like that was like my first experience into kind of like collecting and stuff like that in magic cards in middle school but ultimately you know i saw this as like okay cool like the first card game on a bitcoin blockchain like i'll buy it i i, I got the card i put it into i think at the time uh, a mobile wallet it was called uh book of orbs or something to that effect and I was in, and you know, I was like, that's it. Like, I just kind of forgot about it. I think I played with the game a little bit too. It was kind of buggy. It was kind of shitty. Um, and they had problems, but I was like, all right, I put it away. It was immediately down on Bitcoin over time. I was like, all right, that was a shitty investment. Like whatever. I just like kind of didn't even think much of it throughout my journey through Bitcoin. I met some really like smart people on Twitter or like, especially like the last, I want to say four or five years, like that kind of started to shape my thinking. And I read some like interesting books that have to do with kind of like consciousness, like I'm a strange loop and uh, some other like interesting books on like what shapes consciousness and what makes a soul a soul and like what shapes our I, um, meaning that like what shapes like what we are. And it, it dives into information theory a little bit and kind of like, you know, your inputs are essentially what your outputs are. We as humans 
are, are immediately using pattern recognition and, and shaping our consciousness by symbols, shapes, colors, et cetera, the information and inputs we're taking in. So I, I started realizing a few years ago, like, damn, like memetics are freaking powerful and they're no joke. I mean, that's how we band together as a country. We use the flag, you know, and that's why every country has a flag. Um, those are memes. And then I started getting into NFTs, NFTs through a friend who was like, dude, I just like sold this NFT for like a hundred something Ethereum. Like, and I bought it for like one Ethereum like a month ago. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, let me see what's up. And I was resistant at the beginning. Like when I saw CryptoPunks and all this shit, I was like, ah, I, I came across rare Pepe's and I was like, I had friends into them. I was like, ah, it looks like, you know, why would I trade my Bitcoin for that? I was like kind of a Bitcoin maxi. And then I don't know, man, I, I got into generative art. And like, when I understood the, the, the concept of a, like, okay, like in this smart contract, we put all these traits and they sit into like, a, they sit in the smart contract in a like quantum superposition kind of like form. And then if you like send Ethereum or you put an output into the smart contract, it generates an output um, that's literally entangled with your, with your output. So to me, I was like, oh shit, like that is a new field of art, like, or at least taking a, this old field of art, because gen art is, is pretty old, and like it's taking it to a new level. And then I was like, damn, dude, like this is pretty addicting. Like, and then I'm like trying to find the rare one. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, and there's only been two times in my life, all right, when I felt this kind of like this feeling like, oh damn, this is like, this is gonna be game changer. The first time was in 2013 when I finally understood Bitcoin. I heard about it in 2011, 2012, like didn't really get it. And then when I finally understood like what it meant as this like, you know, basically this, this thing that can, we can use to, to solve a problem of trust and coordinate amongst ourselves, almost like that, um, that monolith or that obelisk in, in the beginning of the space odyssey movie where all those monkeys are kind of like jumping around this, like kind of like this obelisk, like that's what Bitcoin was. And I was like, Oh shit, now I'm getting what Bitcoin is going to do. And like, this is going to be game changer for the world. So I was like, fuck, like, let me buy Bitcoin. But then when I, when I bought my first, like, nft you know it felt good buying the satoshi card don't get me wrong but when i when i bought gen art and then when i like rediscovered rare pepes and i bought my first rare pepe and i was like fuck like i got that same feeling and i literally like this was last august i literally degen so hard like i mean i would be embarrassed to tell you guys how hard i degen I, I wasn't like i took one shower a week for like a month straight it was really sick um, on how many NFTs and how hard I went and how much freaking money I spent. It was kind of stupid. Um, but you know, many, many NFTs, luckily, thank God, 95% of the NFTs I bought, I'm, I'm proud to hold and I'm holding for the long term. And I think that they're going to probably return more in value than the, the, the cryptocurrency I spent on them is my thesis because I've been telling pick people about fucking Bitcoin for 10 years, friends, family, everybody who I could literally like talk to. I talked about Bitcoin and maybe a handful of people listened to me like bought Bitcoin or went hard. But like for the most part, guys, most people don't give a fuck about like like the interesting aspects of money, like Austrian economics or, you know, scarcity or they wake up and they just want to live an average ass life or a normal life. And the way that they get around is through symbols is through like looking at pictures and symbols. And if you understand that we are mimetic creatures then you need to go read like a lot of the, the Twitter threads from um, Punk6529. That guy is an OG Bitcoiner from 2013. He literally almost has a complete exact mirror image of my journey through Bitcoin. And when he discovered NFTs is almost the exact same time as I discovered NFTs. And he hits it on the money. Like he understands just how 
big NFTs are going to be. And when I say big, I'm talking about like, okay, there's 100 to 150 million people in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. The remaining 7 billion people are going to be onboarded because of NFTs, not because of crypto, not because of DeFi, but because of literally NFTs and tokens that mm -hmm. are, have JPEGs attached to them. So I apologize for the long-winded answer and context, but that's kind of like a little bit is my thesis, my background, and a little bit of like kind of my journey into NFTs and, and how I look at them and, and where I think this is going. That was so good. That was incredible. Oh, man, Tim, you got the floor next. So I wanted to add some more context to what Goldmaster Yang was saying. Speaking with, you know, images and speaking with memes, like even the way I tweet sometimes, you know, I like to use memes or images more than just the writing the text, right? And I look at my group chat text uh, groups with like friends and family. I'm the one that speaks with memes. So like memes to me is a language in itself. And I think nobody's even touched on that yet, like how memes is its own entire language. And I think that's gonna be ingrained in, you know, the foundation of how we communicate in this era of blockchain technology and NFTs and crypto and all of that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, listening to Yang and, and CEO Tim's my new favorite. Man, you guys get me so hyped on this stuff. Like just simply talking about the symbolism of, of Pepe and, and more specifically the frog. I like to talk about Pepe as being this frog, you know, because I think that is so crucial to why it has become this viral image. You know, I talked about this in New York with Easy B, who I see is in the crowd. He is a OG rare Pepe artist. I also want uh, just real quick to say JB to request to get up on stage here. But, um, you know, I talked about this in New York. Why is Pepe, if, why is he so viral? You know, I think the fact that he's a frog is not a coincidence. You know, frogs in, in human history have symbolized something of great significance. You know, you see it all throughout, you know, bi biblical, you know, religious, uh, folklore, you know, you see what is it, frogs that freaking took over Egypt and, and through that chaos came great change. You see it in the Grimm's fairy tale when the princess dropped her golden orb into the pond and the frog had to swim down in the depths of the darkness, which symbolizes sort of chaos and unknowing to bring this golden orb back up to the surface. And it was through that that the the frog literally transcended to become man. You know, these things exist for a reason. Pepe is viral for a reason. And it's not just because of, uh, you know, markets and whatever. It is because it is this weird mimetic symbol of chaos. But what is chaos? It's not a negative thing. Through chaos comes incredible change. And so I'm probably freaking a lot of you out right now because I'm really weird about this stuff. I highly encourage all of you to go on YouTube and watch the Jordan Peterson episode. Whether, whether or not you like Jordan Peterson, I know he can be a controversial figure. He has a small episode on YouTube talking about the metaphysics of Pepe. It's fascinating. You all need to go watch this. Uh, because, you know, the symbol of the frog is so powerful and, and there's no denying it. So 
it's awesome to see where Pepe has come now through these sort of NFTs. I think Pepe has sort of encouraged a renaissance of, of image making, of music making. You know, you got JB making incredible tracks on the fake rare cards. You have obviously the OG Skrilla, who's, who's our OG music maker, uh, Pepe Lord, you know. So this is, this is stuff that can be talked about forever. Yeah, Nardo, you brought up the uh, the point about the Renaissance um, and how we're actually kind of seeing with the blockchain technology, we have this new ledger, which is the ledger and had uh, was it double accounting, double tracking bookkeeping is what really launched um, the first Renaissance and new money making, which brought more artists, which brought a better way of life. Right. And now we're kind of seeing this again with blockchain technology. It's almost as if Pepe is Michelangelo's David in a way that the Internet kind of just took over and it became this universal symbol of what it is. And I it just it's stuck in my head there. Um, Goldmaster Yang, you, uh, you wanted to say something. One thing that does stick out is that when I bought Bitcoin, I started buying it and then I started mining it and then started a Bitcoin business to earn it. And I was so obsessed with getting more and more bitcoin i was a very hardcore like bitcoin maximus i'll trade nothing for bitcoin i mean honestly the chances that if you sell bitcoin and for something the chances you could get that bitcoin back really started to decrease over time i remember buying like a jar of honey for bitcoin because there wasn't a lot of things you could buy with bitcoin back in the day like maybe a pair of alpaca socks things like this and you know those items now are probably worth like fifty thousand dollars for that jar of honey or whatever in today's like usd currency so like it was like a big thing to not use your bitcoin not spend it not like trade it but then when i discovered like rediscovered nfts and really understood what they meant to me that was the first time where i had literally no problem trading bitcoin for nfts like you know for for the nfts that i thought were going to be long-term plays like like this is going to be a piece of history that is going to be so powerful i held bitcoin whatever nine ten years and it's like this is the first thing that made me part ways with it. Why? Why did that happen? And it's at the end of the day, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, okay, how much Bitcoin did you collect? But NFTs has changed some of my thinking where it's like, hold on for a second. There are some NFTs that are going to be so, that are going to be basically priceless almost. And, and because they're so mimetic, they're so powerful. They represent so much. They are ultimate shelling points when it comes to us organizing like culture around them that like literally they're going to reach values that like are just going to be obscene and unthinkable. And there's people fading them left and right still today. And they're going to, in my opinion, have a tough time coping because what's, what's going to happen is going to be insane. Like I'm playing like 10 year, 20 year, 30 year games at a minimum, like while I'm still alive. And I'm also like looking at it a hundred, 200, 300 years out, at least when I'm, when I'm thinking about like the, the NFTs that I collect, and the cryptocurrencies that I put my wealth in and save. So I just kind of want to give some context into like, you know, listen to your intuition and your gut. And like, there's something very, very, very powerful about a JPEG, especially one that is finite in supply. And you can trust that it's finite without trusting anyone. Yeah. And there's something about being able, yes, it's the JPEG, but you're trusting more than just that image. It's everything that comes with the image is why Pepe is so important. And because we all are trusting in this image and this idea and what this represents and what this means together. And that's the, that's why Pepe is different. My next question though, is where did this project 
the Rare Pepe project really come from? This Is it a Board Ape Club derivative project? What is this? Where does it come from? All right. So um, there's all the history that we've gone over so far. We know about Rare Pepes. We know that they existed from 2016 to 2018. And like Yang said, it was a collective of art that was made by all different artists, which instead of the typical corporate product of things that came before. So um, one of those many artists uh, in 2017 was a guy uh, at the time he was known as uh, Pepe designer. Um, And he released cards uh, from 2017 into 2018. And then he continued on other projects. Uh, Some of the depth of him as an artist and a creator is He was uh, from a collective of people that realized they could create art on Bitcoin and sell it to essentially survive through the financial turmoil of the change in Venezuela uh, financially with their rampant inflation, with their society essentially crumbling because of the politics of that country uh people went from haves to have nots and there were very few ways for people to provide to survive and very few thrived but uh, he created these artworks and uh continued doing so so after 2018 pepe's ended uh rare pepe's ended and he continued on into a number of other counterparty collections with the knowledge he knew uh he did things for bitcoins uh he did things for personal people uh somebody would come to him and ask for a piece of art to be done as a commission uh so he had been doing commission work uh he had been creating on his own and uh sometime in october or november a uh board ape came to him with the request of a commission and said, Hey, this is my ape. I'd like you to turn it into a Pepe. And so that was the first a Pepe made before there was a collection. And then from that time on, so let's say November all the way through to March of 2022, uh, they worked together uh, to create a 10,000 unit PFP collection that became the rare a Pepe Yacht Club based off of uh, the traits that the Board Ape Yacht Club had, but being 100% drawn and created based on those themes by Pepe Designer, who we now know as Rare Designer. Does the fact that it's a Board Ape derivative or based off that, do you think that helps the collection or hurts the collection? Well, I think uh, if we look at the conversation we've had about memes is Pepe is a canvas and you can put anything on Pepe just the same way that you can put Pepe on anything. And I think that when you put anything on Pepe, it becomes a Pepe. When you put Pepe on anything, it becomes a Pepe primarily. Now there are, there are variables, you know, the, the style of the, the art is different. 
Uh, in the Board Ape Yacht Club, you have blue hair. In the Apepe collection, you have pink hair. Uh, so there are there are enough differentiations that make it a an homage to what was, just like Pepe's are an homage to what was, uh, while being their own individual item. Uh, there's a quote that uh, that's common that I'm sure when anybody hears it, they'll know is good artists copy great artists steal now this isn't even a copy this isn't a theft this is a creation by looking at something that existed and turning it into a frog so i don't think it's a derivative Uh, i laugh at myself and i think of it maybe the closest i could get would be a derivative like a frog but uh I, i think that the Art speaks for itself. The creation speaks for the fact that it has gone through another portal of reality and it has become a Pepe and it it isn't an ape. And I don't think the ape association really fits at this point because it feels like it's a frog for the sake of being a frog. I think that Pepes support Pepes. And I think that being a Pepe and liking Pepe is really all that's necessary. If there's other stuff that comes, that's pretty cool. If we see things happen, that's pretty nifty. But at the end of the day, we just want to collect digital frogs on blockchains and hang out with our friends and and be green. I want to interject this, that I do feel like the association with the Board of Yacht Club does help because in my mind, I mean, yes, I've always appreciated their collection, but also in my mind, I feel like it's a way for people to understand networking and the knowledge of learning from other people. And that type of aspect has really been ingrained, I feel like, in the Apepe community and learning and listening and just being open to each other. And I feel like the Board of Jakob did a great example of the way their community works and constantly bringing each other up and starting other projects and other venues and using their IP license to their benefit in a way to engage themselves in a higher level of business. And I think that is a skill to learn and to be honed. And being a part of that, I've really seen that from day one in the Apepe community. I have learned so much from so many people on Bitcoin, artistic avenues and all these artists that have done so many things for years that I didn't really know was there. And that wealth of knowledge is very valuable to me. So Gina, would you say that like the, we're talking about memes here, that Pepe took the credibility that maybe Bored Ape had and then played on top of that. It's like double memetics, like a memetic sandwich of power. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Memetic sandwich of power. I feel like these things only compound on each other and there's a history and a level of realness that is there because we see so many projects today and they're say like, oh, it's a derivative. This is an homage to me. It truly is. And it is from an artist who is an artist. It is not just a person pumping out a collection that doesn't care about other people. They care about their art and art in of itself and what that can do to change people's lives. I know people ask JB to come up. JB, you want to introduce yourself and say uh, what you're doing for the peoples, the frogs of the world? Yo, yo. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, before the frogs, I was just like an abstract artist making physical paintings. I got into the fake rares back in, I think, September, October. And once I like realized like what it was all about, I was just like instantly hooked. And like, I'm just drawing frogs like all day, like 24 seven. 
But like someone like wrote something on Twitter not too long ago when I think Series 8 was dropping for the fake rares. And it was basically the greatest artists of our generation right now are all making frogs. And that kind of like hit me because I think people, there's going to be some artists that come out of this. A lot of these artists are going to come out of here like being the next Picasso, the next Vando, you know. So the fact that everyone is just drawing frogs um, with the memetics and everything, I think it's just, uh, it's amazing. And this is where I rugged. I was trying to do something on my phone, switch Twitter profiles, and I accidentally cut the space off entirely. I am so sorry. We're all still learning how this works and how we can do it right. I just want to say thank you to Goldmaster Yang, Peppinardo, Carcinated, Dr. Suss, and all the others who participated in this space. My biggest takeaway from this chat is that if you're a growing artist, one of the ways to get seen fast is to make art that already has a cult-like following. So maybe if you're feeling a little stuck, maybe it's time to draw some frogs, post it on the internet, see what happens. Anyway, thanks for listening and dropping in the Airdrop Show. If you want to subscribe, I'd love that. Thank you. If you thought this episode was great, please share it. And also come follow us along on Twitter at the Airdrop Show. Thanks for dropping in. This is Phosphorus signing off.